Thanks for checking out the Lakeshore Podcast. If this is your first time listening with us, we want you to know God loves you. We want for your hope in Jesus to be renewed and for your faith to come to life. Wherever you are joining us from, we hope this message encourages you. This is my Bible. It is God's Word written to me. I am who it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. I can have what it says I can have. So I receive it as truth for my life today and open my heart to hear God speak a word and fill me with the Holy Spirit so that my life will be changed forever. In Jesus' name, amen. Faith in God, not in me. Would you say that with me? Make it your own declaration. Let's say it together. Faith in God, not in me. In me. Now, I know some of us might think, well, of course, Pastor Robert, I don't have faith in me. But if we're being honest, we don't always live like that. Isn't that true? Sometimes we forget that our faith needs to be securely and steadfastly in God. And I don't think that I would ever say that my faith is in me, but I think sometimes through habit and routine, and lifestyle, and gravity of the groove, we can live, come on, it's not just me, right? We can live like our faith is in us. And I'm not trying to be uh, condemning. I'm just, I'm just being real. I'm being honest because I, I go through that too. I, I'm not anybody special just because I'm a pastor. I'm learning and growing just like you. So the title of today's message is Faith in God, Not in Me. And our text, now, this is a stretch. It's not going to be on the screen. So if you have an Android or an iPhone and you want to look up this Bible book and look at your phone with me, it's the book of Zechariah. Zechariah, if you have a Bible, you can turn to Zechariah. Uh, Probably not a book that we go to a lot. Your pages might be a little stuck together over there if you have a Bible. It's in the Old Testament. It's after like Nahum, Habakkuk, Zephaniah, Haggai, over there in the minor prophet area, the book of Zechariah. Let's see if I can coach a little bit more. It's before Malachi. Malachi is the last book of the Old Testament. So it's just two books over from the start of the New Testament. Right? Does that sound right? Zechariah chapter 4. We're going to look at Zechariah chapter 4, and we're talking about faith in God, not in me. And I want to read a story to you. I want to read the first, uh, let's see, nine verses of Zechariah chapter 4, verses 1 through 9. But before I get there, let me just catch you up a little bit. Zechariah is a prophet. In other words, he's been set apart for special service to speak to the people on behalf of God. And Zechariah is being used to bring words of encouragement and strength to God's people in the rebuilding of the temple. God's people years ago were in disobedience. They've got taken into captivity by the enemy. God allowed that to happen. It wasn't something God wanted to happen, but he allowed it hoping that God's people would turn their hearts back to him. While they did, And so God released some people from 
Babylonian captivity. They went back to their hometown of Jerusalem. And now they're charged with rebuilding the temple where worship and, and the, the, the message of God's word can be taught and people can grow in their relationship with God. And so there was a remnant. There was an amount of certain people that came over with uh, this man named Zerubbabel. Zerubbabel was a governor. He was a civic leader. God was going to use him along with Joshua. Joshua was a priest. So you got Joshua, he's a priest, stands before God as a minister like a pastor. You got Zerubbabel, who's a civic leader. And then you got Zechariah. He's the mouthpiece for God. He's going to strengthen God's people with the word of the Lord. So all these three guys and a remnant of God's people get put back in Jerusalem, and they're supposed to rebuild the temple. And at first, the building got going, but then they got distracted, and they got discouraged by some of the enemies. So all of the building of the temple stopped. And Zerubbabel was discouraged. And I just want to kind of connect a couple of dots before we get into the story. The temple is going to be rebuilt but I want you to keep in mind that today's temple that God wants to build is not necessarily this building. It's his people. So as we're reading through this, we're going to read the, the story of the rebuilding of the physical temple and how God's going to do that. But if we fast forward to today in New Testament relationship with God, the Bible tells us that God doesn't dwell in buildings he dwells in the temple, which is you, which is me, his people, the church. Amen? That doesn't mean that God isn't with us, but he's with us because we gather and we're carrying God with us in our hearts and in our spirits. Amen? So we're talking about rebuilding of the temple, but I want you to keep in mind, are there areas in your life that God wants you to rebuild? Are there areas in your life that God wants to help you build? Maybe there's more than one. Maybe it's an area that you started to work on. But like we're going to see, people got discouraged. The enemy came in and devoured and kept them from doing what they were supposed to do. And sometimes that happens in my life. And sometimes that happens in your life. So keep these things in mind as we're looking through the story. Zechariah chapter 4, verses 1 through 9. I want to read it, and then we're going to break it down a little bit. And I'm going to give you some truths that you can stick in your pocket and take with you, and you can start working today. Okay? Now the angel who talked with me came back and wakened me as a man who is wakened out of his sleep. And he said to me, What do you see? So I said... I am looking, and there is a lamp stand of solid gold with a bowl on top of it, and on the stand, seven lamps with seven pipes to the seven lamps. Now let me pause. Zerubbabel knew what this was because this was called a menorah. You've seen it. It's got a base and a stem, and then it's got seven different candle wicks on it. And they would use that as a piece of one of the furnishings in the temple. It was symbolic. Those lamp wicks were burned with oil. Oil is symbolic of the Holy Spirit. So when Zerubbabel is looking at this, he kind of gets it. But not completely because he also sees a bowl 
on top of this lampstand. And then, not only that, well, I don't want to get ahead of myself. Look at verse 3. He also sees two olive trees are by it, one at the right hand of the bowl and the other is at the left. Okay, so he sees the lampstand, he sees the bowl, and then he sees two olive trees. And then it says this in verse 4. So I answered and spoke to the angel who talked with me, saying, What are these, my Lord? So he doesn't, he doesn't quite understand what he's looking at. God speaks through visions sometimes, but it's always in accordance with the Scriptures today. Okay? And then in verse 5 he says, Then the angel who talked with me answered and said to me, Do you not know what these are? And I said, No, my Lord. So he answered and said to me, This is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel. Not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. Key in on this. Not by might, not by power, but by my spirit. Can you say it with me? Do you remember it? Come on. Not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit. So Rebel's like, what is this? And the angel says, this is the word of the Lord. In other words, this is what that vision is. This is what God is saying to you through that vision. This is what he's trying to communicate to you. And then he tells them, not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. Verse 7. And then it says, who are you, O great mountain? Before Zerubbabel, you shall become a plain. Now, this, this language is prophetic. It's face-filled. It's saying that even though the rebuilding of the temple looks like this huge mountain of impossibility, that God is going to work on behalf of Zerubbabel through the Holy Spirit, and He's going to level out that mountain of impossibility, and it's going to be as flat as a plain out in the middle of a desert. In other words, He's saying, listen, don't look at how big the mountain is, Zerubbabel. I want you to focus your faith on how big the God of the mountain is, because it's going to be flattened. Think about that in your life. You're looking at a circumstance. You're looking at a situation. It could be an area of lack. It could be an area of breakthrough where you're trying to get God to do something on your behalf and take you to another level. It could be financial. It could be a career. It could be a habit. A habit that I have. I know it's not good for me. God knows it's not good for me but it looks like a mountain of impossibility and it's never going to get flattened out in my life. And God is speaking and He's saying nothing's impossible for me. That mountain is going to become flat as a plain. And then He goes on and He says, and He shall bring forth the capstone with shouts of grace, grace to it. The capstone would be like the final building block to the temple. He not only lays the foundation, but they're going to build it by the power of the Lord. They're going to complete it. They're going to put the capstone on it, the final piece on this temple. And notice that it says he's going to shout, grace, grace. And there's powerful symbolism in that because the Bible says that you and I are saved by grace through faith. In other words, there isn't anything that you and I can do to earn salvation it's because of what Jesus did. He offers that grace. And then we believe what Jesus did. 
and we receive that grace gift because Jesus did it all. And he's saying, that's what's going to happen. You're going to build this, but it's not going to be by your might. It's not going to be by your power. It's not going to be by your smarts. It's not going to be by faith in yourself. It's going to be faith in the God of grace. Grace is giving you something, giving me something we don't deserve. We could never earn. We could never make it. But God says, I love you. You're in the family. And I want to give this to you. And you're going to finish this by my grace. And then he goes on and he says this in verse 8. Moreover, the word of the Lord came to me saying, this is encouraging. The hands of Zerubbabel have laid the foundation of this temple. In other words, you started it. His hands shall also finish it. Then you will know that the Lord of hosts has sent me to you. So God is saying, listen. It's my spirit and my grace that's going to enable you to finish the temple. Listen, it's God's spirit and God's grace that's going to enable you to work on different areas of your life, whatever those are. And His grace is going to enable you not only to get started, but by His grace and His spirit and His power, you're going to complete what you started. That's the grace of God. That's God's heart for you. Whatever area you might have that looks impossible, you might have started working on it, but you feel like it's not coming together and you've given up or you don't want to really lean anymore because it's not working. Well, listen, God is saying, put your faith in me. Don't put your faith in you. My spirit, my power is going to enable you by my grace to complete what you've started. Now, I want to just kind of point out a couple of things here. Notice again in verse 6. This is the theme verse. Verse 6. This is what God says. This is the word of the Lord. Word of the Lord to you. Not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit. I want to point out a couple of things. The word might is a military term. It's talking about there isn't any amount of people that can come together like an army to pull this off. No matter how many people you have that unite all of their efforts together, if I'm not included, you're not going to finish the temple. Don't matter how many you pull together. It's not going to be by your might. It's not going to be by the amount of people that say we're with you. We can do it. We can do it. No, 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 no. You can't do it without God. God's going to do it through you. That's what the word might means. And then he says, not by power. It's not by one any individual person who's got the spiritual strength or who's got the physical strength who's got the smarts, who's got the wisdom, who's got the know-how, who's got the architectural knowledge. There isn't one person, there isn't a group of people, there isn't anybody who can rebuild this temple. It's not by your might, it's not by your power, it's going to be by my Spirit, the Holy Spirit. That's who he's talking about. By my Spirit, says the Lord of hosts. Now I want you to notice two things here. The Word and the Spirit are working together. Make a note of that. He says, this is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel. Not by might nor by power, but by my spirit. Whenever God is going to do something miraculous in your life and in my life, it's going to take both his word and his spirit. What's his word? Well, if I can make it very, very fundamental, 
It's this. It's the Bible. It's you going back to basics. It's me going back to basics. And we're investing time and we're reading the Scriptures. Just a reminder. The Bible says that all Scripture is given by the breath of God. In other words, when we're reading the Bible, we're positioning our hearts to hear the Word of the Lord. To hear a message of faith, a message of hope, a message of instruction or direction. And I think sometimes we forget. We think, oh, I have to read my Bible because I'm a Christian. Well, not necessarily. I know a lot of Christians that don't read their Bible. You get to read your Bible. I get to read my Bible because we're children of God. And when we do, the Holy Spirit partners with the Scriptures, the Word of the Lord, and He'll breathe into your spirit wisdom and direction and faith and hope, areas that you might need to tweak, things that you need to back off of, things that you might need to do. He'll give you instruction through the Word. Remember, He's looking at a vision But the angel is telling him, this is what the vision means. And he says, this is the word of the Lord. He's saying, this is what God is saying to you. So whenever you and I make a decision to invest 15 minutes, 30 minutes, an hour, two days a week, four days a week, six days a week, whatever, something. When we invest and we just pull off all the distraction, the Facebook, the TV, the stereo, the iTunes, and we're just, Lord... I'm reading the scriptures and I'm opening my heart in faith and I I want you to speak to me. I want you to give me insight. I want you to give me understanding. What do I need to do about my kids? What do I need to do about my career? What do I need to do about this area that I want to change in my life? And you will just be astounded how many times if you just come to God like that, this is the word of the Lord to Robert. And he'll speak to me. He'll put his finger on something And he'll show me something. Now, let me just be honest, okay? Sometimes, it's not always very, very comfortable. Because sometimes he's going to say, hey, that area right there, if you want to get over here, you have to give that to me. And until you give that to me, as much as I want to get you over here, you can't because I love you too much. And more important than where you end up to me, God, is how you end up while getting there. Character. Amen? So the Word and the Spirit always together in the rebuilding on any area of your life. And notice he says, not by might nor by power, but by my Spirit, says the Lord of hosts. So what is he saying? He's saying... It's my Holy Spirit who's taking the message that I've given you and He's going to work in you. He's going to work on you. He's going to work through you. And you're going to complete the task that I have for you. Hear me, child of God. God's Word, God's Spirit is going to work in you. He's going to work on you. He's going to work with you. He's going to work through you to complete the area of building that God wants to get done in your life. But you got to do it in partnership with his word and with his spirit. So, Pastor Robert, that's kind of spiritual. You might get that because you're a pastor. 
What does that mean in my everyday life? Well, that's a good question. Here's the first point I want to make. You don't have to write it down, but if you got a pen and a piece of paper or something and you want to or put it in your phone, here's the first point that I want to make. If I want to rebuild some areas in my life and I want to put faith in God and not in me, that's what we're talking about, faith in God and not in me. Say it again with me, come on. Faith in God and not in me. If I want to do that, Here's the first thing that I feel like the Lord wants us to do. Okay, number one. Move away from self-reliance. Move away from self-reliance. Again, I probably wouldn't say, I've got all my faith in me. I'm completely confident in me. I'm relying on me. I'm not going to say that, and I I know you wouldn't either, but listen, the way that we live our life, the routines, the habits, the gravity of the groove, the, 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 the areas that we're most comfortable with and the things that we visit the most, just the way we live, our lifestyle, our walk, sometimes that communicates that our faith is in us and not in God. So I have to look at those areas of my life and I have to make a decision to adjust some things to move away from self-reliance. And that might look different for you than it does for me. It'll look different for most everybody in the room. We probably won't have the same challenge of self-reliance. Okay? For example, uh, let's say that you're the type of person, you're just a go-getter and you like to accomplish things. And so you get up, you take care of your kids, you're already working on the mental task of the things that need to be done, and you're doing it, and you go throughout your day. But you know, as much as you want to invest time in reading the scriptures and praying and having a devotional time, you know the deeper you get into your day, the less likely it is for you to get back to that devotional time. Come on, anybody ever been there? I mean, we get up with an intention to want to do it, but life gets busy, and everybody's got different things going on. And so in that instance, I'm self-reliant. Oh, I'll be able to back up and just kind of pause on whatever I'm doing, and then I'm going to come over here, and I'm going to carve this time out with the Lord, and I'm going to read. But more often than not, the sun goes down, and we get in bed, and we're done, and another opportunity to connect with the Lord and hear His Word and receive from His Spirit is missed. And I'm not saying that to bring condemnation on anybody. I'm just saying that when I do that, I'm living in such a way where I'm becoming self-reliant. And God is saying, no, no, no. You need to move away from self-reliance. Start your day with me. Some people might not be morning people. I'm a morning person. David is a morning person. Up early. I get up at 4.30. And the first thing I do is I get my coffee. I put on my music that's for prayer time. I'm in my room, and I'm praying, and I'm reading, and I'm seeking the Lord. I am so desperate for God. And you might be like, 4.30, you're crazy. And that's just the habit that I, but, but when is your time? Your time may be different. The point I'm trying to make is, if you want to move away from self-reliance, you got to connect with him at some point. And for me, just personally, 
if I get it done in the morning, I don't have to be concerned about it at 1 o'clock or 4 o'clock or 6 o'clock. It's done. Not only that, but it kind of sets the tone for the day, and I can walk out in victory. Amen? And I've just got God's Spirit and God's Word on me. He gave me something specific for me for the morning, and it just goes with me. I have more pep in my step. I'm full of faith. I've got a different perspective. When I miss, I could feel it. So the first point I'm trying to make is, if we want to have faith in God and not in me, I have to move away from self-reliance and get with God. Amen? Isn't that true? Here's the second thing, and I'm kind of leading into it. It's pretty obvious. Second thing I want to do now is move towards God-reliance. Okay, I've made a decision. I'm not going to be self-reliant. I'm not going to just look to myself and my routine. And I'm going to make a decision to become God-reliant. What's an area that God may have been kind of speaking to you already about? What's an area where he might be saying, hey, come on, step out here. Trust me in this area. Maybe it's with your kids. Maybe it is with your career. Maybe it's in the area of finance. Who knows? It could be different for everybody. But to be God-reliant is to become more yielded to him. Remember, he said, not by your might, not by your power, but by my spirit. What does that look like? How do I let the Holy Spirit work in my life? Isn't that a good question? Because that sounds very religious. Let me tell you how, okay? I'm still learning. I don't got it down packed. I'm still learning, okay? Uh, I'm going to mention some scripture. Not going to be on the screen, but if you're taking notes, you can jot these down and you can look at them later. This is how you become God-reliant and you move towards God-reliance, okay? Galatians 2.20. This is what it says. Listen. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life that I now live in my body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. That's Galatians 2.20. Pastor Robert, that's a mouthful. What does that mean? Listen to what he said. I have been crucified with Christ. He's talking about the person he used to be before he became a Christian. That old person died with Jesus on the cross. That old sinful nature died with Jesus on the cross spiritually. Now, I'm not saying we don't sin anymore. We make mistakes and we sin. I'm saying that old sinful, dead, spiritual person you were died with Jesus Christ on the cross. When he died, your old person died. Mind blown right there. Think about that. You're not who you used to be. Come on, somebody say amen. I am so glad. My wife is so glad I am not who I used to be. Listen, I have been crucified with Christ. Now listen to what he says. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. It's God's heart for the Spirit of Christ to flow in you and through your life. So you recognize that. Old person's dead. It's the Spirit of Christ who's in me now. He's the one who lives in me. That's the first thing. We're talking about moving towards God-reliance. Here's the second step, okay? This is in Romans chapter 6, the whole first 
15 verses of Romans chapter 6 talks about our death of our old nature and our life in the new spirit of Christ, okay? This is the next thing that you do. Now that you recognize that you're dead, your old nature, this is what you do. You offer your new self, you offer your new self to God. That's what it says. I offer my members, my body, as instruments of righteousness to God. That's what it says. You have to catch that. I'm not offering my old self to God. That guy's dead. I'm offering my new self, my new born-again nature. When you became a Christian, the Bible says you were born again. You have a new Christ-like nature. And now, through prayer, you say, God, listen, you could do this in the morning. God, I don't know what today holds, but I know who holds today. And I make a decision this morning, God, to offer myself, spirit, soul, and body to you. I'm making a move towards God-reliance, and I'm believing that your word and your spirit are going to work in and through my life, and I'm going to live in such a way that is victorious and bring you glory while I'm doing it. Amen. So you have to make a conscious decision. Oh, my old sinful nature is dead, buried, and gone i got a new nature, and now I'm going to offer it to God before I even take my first step. So you're offering yourself to God. Does that make sense? And then here's the third thing that I would do. In Galatians, oh, let's see. Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians. I'm going to just make sure I don't miss up the verse. Galatians. Oh, ta, ta, da, 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 da. Let's see. Mm-mm-mm. Which verse do I want to use? Galatians chapter 5 talks about the fruit of the Spirit. The characteristics that come through your life by the enabling power of the Holy Spirit. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, and self-control. That's the fruit of the Holy Spirit. There's nine of them, okay? So now, in order to allow the Holy Spirit to flow through my life, this is what I have to do now. I have to walk in the Spirit. What does that mean? Again, Pastor Robert, that's a religious word. What do you mean walk in the Spirit? That's religious. How do you do that? I do that by recognizing that He's with me and throughout my day, as much as possible without being distracted, because you still got to do stuff. You got to be a mom. You got to sell real estate. You got to work on computers, whatever you do. You, you still got to engage in life, but you're aware. You're not engaging on your own. The Holy Spirit is with you and in you and on you. So now I'm making a decision as I'm going throughout my day. The Bible says, walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. That's what that says in Galatians. Walk in the Spirit. In other words, follow his influence, follow his leading, follow his guidance. Remember, he's working in conjunction with the word of the Lord, with God's word for you, with God's word in you. And he's going to do everything he can to help you walk in that instruction of God. So I'm walking in the spirit when I walk, when I choose to allow the Holy Spirit to influence me, when I choose to allow the Holy Spirit to guide me, to direct me. I want to do this thing, but then I sense, "Uh -uh uh-uh-uh. What is that? That's the Holy Spirit. Don't do that. That's going to get you off track. That's going to hurt your kids. That's going to hurt you. 
you're going to end up where you don't want to be. You're going to end up stuck. You're not going to get ahead. He's in you, and He will bear witness with your spirit, and He'll show you what to pull back from. In a good sense, He'll do the same thing. Hey, I want you to step out on this. I want you to call Philip and Amy Pounders. Even though you don't know them, even though you've only met them once, I want you to call them and just introduce an opportunity for them to come and sing a couple songs with you instead of using a worship video again. We had them out here a couple, three weeks ago. You guys remember them? Didn't they sing beautifully? Some of you know who I'm talking about. And at first, I was wrestling with that. Is that me? Where's that? No, the Holy Spirit was saying, okay, you're stuck. You don't know what to do. Uh, you don't want to do a video again, and, and John can't do it, and you're limited right now. I want you to call them. They don't know me. They've only met me once. Maybe twice. Philip met me twice. But his wife, that's who I called. And so I did. The Holy Spirit, if you learn to recognize him and know he's with you, because he's a person. Now, some people don't. He's a person? Yes. See, the Holy Spirit is not just this power. He's not... He's, he's not just an entity. When you read about the Holy Spirit, Jesus talks about him with masculine personal pronouns. Him, his, he, not an it, not a cloud, not an entity, not a force. He is a person and he lives in you. And when you recognize him and you decide to lean towards his influence, that's called walking in the Spirit, He'll direct you. He'll lead you. He'll guide you. He'll show you what you need to do. Pastor Robert, that sounds like really weird. It's not weird. It's part of your inheritance as a child of God. How many of you ever heard someone say this? I just know God is with me. Come on, anybody ever hear? You might have said that. Hey, I'm, I'm praying that God will be with you. You've said that to somebody? Or you ask a friend, hey, just, you know, pray that God is with me. Okay, we say those things, but what does that mean? Well, when we study the Bible, it means that we're relying on the Holy Spirit of God that's in the earth and that's on your life as a Christian to be with you, to give you the wisdom, to give you the words. I can't tell you how many times these last four or five years, my wife, Yolanda, she's in this workplace. She wouldn't listen to my advice. I don't hold that against her at all. And I was telling her, hey, you just... Just take any job. It doesn't have to be this big old fashion design career move, right? Because she has a heart for fashion and design and stuff. And she did some of that earlier days. And so, so nothing was coming up in work. And like, what am I going to do? I, this isn't what I want. This isn't. Just take a job. Get a little bit of help. God will make it work. Make, he'll make it way. So she took this little job, like 12 hours a week. Uh, very low hourly wage. And little by little by little, over the last four years, she's praying the whole time, God, help me. Help me to not want to quit, first of all, because it's a pretty monotonous job, right? Mindless at times. But she's just doing it, going, God, help me not to quit. And she didn't quit. And she got through the day. She got through the week. She got through a couple years. Well, the owner of the business really took a liking to her, and so did the team. Everybody liked her. Well, the owner's manager quit. And the owner said, hey, Yolanda. Um, 
we need more people to do what you do. Can you hire five of them? Sure. And after you hire them, can you run the department? Sure. She has no idea what to do. She just starts doing what she's learned, and she's learning little by little every day. And every day, Lord, help me. What does that mean? Holy Spirit, help me. Holy Spirit that lives in me, give me the words, give me the know-how, give me the ability. I am not a tech person. She's learning more things on the computer than she ever thought, ever wanted, ever dreamed, ever had a nightmare that she would have to learn. And not knowing how, but the Holy Spirit and some of the team members are helping her. And we joke, because if they would have put this job in the paper or online to hire that position for this role, they would have never hired her in a million years. How she got this job? Only by the grace of God. How she moved into this role? Only by the grace of God. How she's able to do it every day and figure out how to do it and come home and pull her hair out sometimes and then go back and say, I got it. Only by the spirit of the grace of God. So let me recap. What does it look like to move towards God reliance? Number one, recognize your old sinful nature is dead. Number two, offer your new self to God. Number three, walk in the Spirit. And that's an ongoing process, by the way. Learning to walk in the Spirit and follow His lead is not something you learn overnight. It's not something you're going to get completely down on this side of heaven. But we can grow in that. Amen. If you're with me, say amen. Last thing I want to point out. Last thing is this. Okay. So, all right. I move away from self-reliance. I move towards God-reliance. I want to make sure I have faith in God, not in me. God wants to rebuild some areas of my life, just like he promised Zerubbabel in the rebuilding of the temple. It's not going to be by my might. It's not going to be by my power. It's going to be by the Spirit of God. What do I do? I move away from self-reliance. I move towards God-reliance. What's the last thing you should do? Here it is. Ready? Trust God for the results. Come on, say it with me. Trust God for the results. Now remember, if you've been in our church for any length of time, faith and believing and trusting always has corresponding action. It always has action. When I say I'm going to trust God for the results, that means I'm going to keep doing what God asked me to do in faithfulness. I'm going to keep showing up to do what God asked me to do, even when it looks like it's not working, even when it feels like it's not working, even when the mountain hasn't chipped at all, even when things still look hard and impossible. My faith has action, and I'm going to keep showing up. I'm going to keep putting my trust in God. I'm going to keep offering myself to God. I'm going to keep relying on the Holy Spirit. Trust God for the results because God is faithful to bring his word to pass in your life. Amen? That's how we allow God to begin to work in different areas of our life. That's how we put faith in God and not in ourselves. Does that make sense, church? John, would you come up here and just play something for me? I believe that this is what God wanted us to hear today. You've got your faith awakened study guides, and you can go back, and I want you to, to look at week two. But I just had a sense that this message wasn't just for me. It wasn't just for me. Somebody here needed to hear that you need to put your faith in God and not in yourself. And you need to know how to do that. You need to move away from self-reliance 
You need to move towards self-reliance, towards reliance in God. And then you just need to trust Him for the results. Listen, God loves you. God loves your family. God loves your kids. God has a plan for your life. God wants to break through different areas that look impossible. God wants to show up and do what only He can do. But you and I have to make a decision. We have to draw a line in the sand. I'm going to put my faith in God. And I'm not going to live anymore like my faith is in me. I'm going to trust Him. And His Spirit and His Word are going to do things in and through your life that would have never been able to be done without Him. Amen. 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 Yolanda needs to share just a little bit with you real quick. Amen. Oh, such a good word. In my Bible here, in Kingdom Dynamics, it says, The power of God. Growing in knowing, right? Knowing, knowing. The more that we know about God, right? We grow in that. The greatest displays of God's power are not necessarily shows of force, mighty acts, or creative splendor. Rather, the supremacy of God's power is seen in the ways he accomplishes his purposes through mere vessels of clay made mighty because he has infused them with his life. Amen. Isn't that awesome? Amen. Yes. It's yes. not these, yes. these big, mighty acts. Mm. It's in God working through us, yes. mere clay vessels that are all marred and we don't have it together. We're, we're vessels. Perfect. And it's God working through us, and then it's accomplished. And just like you were saying, we look back and we say, God, there's no way. There's no way that this would have happened. It's all you, and he gets Mm. the glory. He ends up getting the glory. All we have to do is trust in him and follow him, and he gets the glory. And he loves doing that in our lives, right? Amen. Amen. So good. Thank you for reminding me of that, Yolanda. Well, go ahead and stand to your feet and let's pray as we close. Those of you that are on Facebook Live, don't disengage. We're not done yet. I want to pray and I want to include you in the prayer too. Would you just bow your heads and just keep your hearts open and receptive? Father, we just thank you today. We thank you for speaking to us through the Spirit. We thank you for speaking to us through the Scriptures, through your Word. And we come away confidently today knowing that you're still building us. You're still working us. You're still putting us together as the temple of the living God, just like you promised Zerubbabel, not by might nor by power, but by my spirit. So you've promised us today, rebuilding and restructuring and solidifying and and building up different areas of our life, God. We declare it's not by might nor by power, but by your spirit. We make room for the Holy Spirit. We make a decision today, God. We draw a line in the sand and we declare that our old nature is dead, buried, and gone. And our new nature, Lord God, we offer it to you. Spirit, soul, and body, use us for your glory. Move through us, live through us, empower us. Make the impossible possible by your spirit and by your word. And Father, help us to walk by the spirit. Help us to live by the spirit. Help us to become uh, people that are sensitive to the Holy Spirit and recognize His still, small voice. Use the body of Christ. Use friends and neighbors that are walking with Jesus to strengthen us in the things of the Spirit. Father, as we do these things, we are confidently and boldly saying right now that we refuse to put our faith in ourselves and we realign our faith in God, the God of the impossible. 
And Father, we thank you for moving in and through us. We thank you that it's your heart and it's your plan to accomplish everything that you started in our lives. Father, we thank you that the Holy Spirit and the Word of God are working in unison. They're working in partnership. They're enabling us. They're empowering us to be great dads, to be great moms, to be great career people. And most important, to be great followers of Jesus Christ. Use us for your glory. In Jesus' name, all of God's people said, amen. Thanks again for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for more messages. If you like what you're hearing, share it with your friends. For more content from Lakeshore and information on services, check us out at lakeshorecf.com.